Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. We're going to look at this holiday that is called Valentine's Day. So this will be our annual Valentine's Day uh, sermon. And let's start off with Matthew chapter number 6. Let's see what the Bible has for us. It's always current. can always glean truth from it. And so let's read Matthew chapter number 6. And we'll start at verse number 19. And the Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is money. Valentine's Day is a 20 billion, not million, billion dollar business. It's not an American holiday. It's not a Christian holiday. It's a pagan holiday. It's used to celebrate Lupercalia, a pagan festival. What we just read in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to glean principles from the Bible. What do we treasure? Who do we serve? What is the light that's in thine eye? Well, guess where this uh, Lupercalia festival started? Rome. Rome. It was a Roman festival to honor Lupercus, who was the pagan god of fertility. Pagans always celebrated fertility, and they did this when the seasons changed. It was all based around the sun god, Baal. But fertility rites were celebrated, and they called this festival Lupercalia. Pagans are celebrating. The winter solstice is over. An evergreen tree goes up in December 22nd, and so they're waiting because they want the sun to now start shining longer and the days become longer, and so they are. And springtime is here. Let's, here's what they do, pagans, let's fornicate, let's get drunk, let's satisfy our own lusts. This is what they've always done. Galatians 5, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, 
and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As New Testament Christians, it doesn't matter what we're lusting for or who people are lusting after. If we are, to, if we are walking in the Spirit of God, that's our answer. That's our solution to the world's problem. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. That's our body. How do we possess it? Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which knew not God. We know God. And He wants our vessels to be used for honor. James chapter 1 the Bible says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Most Christians are okay with the Bible verses we just read. The rub is always when an application is made. That is where it starts to get like two sheep, two rams, just button heads. Don't make the application. But I can't not make the application. This stuff is all around us. It's okay. It's right to talk through these things. Anyway, guess when this festival was celebrated? February 14th and 15th. Lupercus, a false pagan mini-god, he guarded shepherds and their flocks from the wolf population. Pagans dedicated a festival to his name, hence the festival of Lupercalia. It was a fertility festival. They named their pagan Roman priests Luperci. That's what they called their priests. And they would gather in a cave and they would perform these pagan rituals which included sacrifices. Why in a cave? Well, pagans, they believed that the founders of Rome, this is mythology, were cared for by a she-wolf. Believe it or not, in a cave. And this mythological she-wolf was named Lupa. See how it all ties together? Lupa, Lupercalia, the Lupercai. It's all paganism. It's all been going on for years. These mythological founders of Rome, Romulus and Remus, were their names. So the sacrifices they made was goats for fertility, dogs for purification, and they would dedicate these sacrifices to Pan, who was this other false god, this spirit god of the wild. So here's what they would do. The pagans would cut the goat skin after they sacrificed the goat into strips. And then they would dip those strips into blood. 
and they would run through the streets and in homes and the men would take those strips of goat skins and they would dipped in blood and they would sprinkle them on women. They would sprinkle them on their crops because they're pagans. And they do these defiling things. Why would they do it on the crops? They want the crops to grow. It's springtime, everybody. The sun is going to shine and bring up the crops. So we're worshiping the sun and we're going to spray. We're going to... You would think that the ladies would get offended by this. They're pagans. Or they just don't know any better and are about to be converted to paganism. They're not upset. Why? I'm going to be fertile. Oh, great. I got splashed with some blood. (laughs) They're going to be fertile. These are fertility rites that were practiced by pagans since the beginning of pagans. It's been going on for years. They believed they would be more fertile and therefore they would greet men. Because during this February 14th, 15th time, that was the best time to meet young men. Now let's get Leviticus chapter 20. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse number 26. The Bible says, This is God speaking to His people, the nation of Israel. And ye shall be holy unto me. Holy. We have a holy God. For I am, for I the Lord am holy. It's a good reason to be holy. We've represented our God. And have severed you from other people. That ye should, here it is, be mine. If you want to be mine, if you want someone to be mine this time of year, how about be the Lord's? It's amazing to me how many Christians would rather say, oh, be mine, and they lust and they're just, they can't do without worldly things. They can't. Oh, but they can do without God. God said to his nation, be holy, I'm holy. Be mine. God wants us. I know that's an Israelite passage, but same principles in the New Testament. God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be His. Now, of course, no pagan festival is complete without involving the children because the children, after all, are the next generation to hand these things down to. So what would happen is they would have young girls write their name on a piece of paper or parchment and they'd fold their name up and then they would put their name, all the, all the young girls would put their name in an urn. And then all the young boys would come and they would pick a name out of the urn. And then they would be put together for the next year and... This is how they celebrated their fertility. And most of the time, these would end up in marriages. How's that for arranged marriages? (laughs) Can you imagine 
having churches have all the girls put their name in a box or in an urn and then have the boys come and grab that name and then hitch them up for a year. Let them... This is paganistic. Enticing and, 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 and wanting them to get involved in things that ought not be so for young boys and young girls. Needless to say, this Lupercalia festival became very, very popular. But, around 268 AD, Emperor Claudius II, who was a tough soldier and he was a very military-minded emperor. And he believed that men were better soldiers if they were single and if they had no children. If they go to war, you don't want to have a military soldier out in war and having his head back home because he misses his wife and his kids. So this emperor banned this practice of writing names and putting them in a box. But his ban didn't come without some heavy opposition. So along comes a good old Roman Catholic priest. Guess who his name was? Good old St. Valentine from Italy. I mean, it, it's just the real deal here. Kind of strange for a Roman Catholic priest to be against young men marrying, though. <laughs> it's an odd thing, considering they built their whole uh, devilish empire on banning men from getting married. But nonetheless, he thought that this was wrong for this emperor to do this. Thought it was unfair, so what he did was he started marrying young men and young women in secret. So this was a Roman... This was a Roman Catholic priest. So you had the pagan religion, the pagans in Rome, doing this festival every February... And now you have this emperor in Rome that gets wind of this and he doesn't want to have a weak military. He was a very military-minded, strong soldier-type guy. We're not having that. I want my young men, if they're going to go to the war, I don't want them getting married too early. In steps the Roman Catholic Church. And they oppose this. St. Valentine he starts running his undercover operation in the Roman Catholic Church getting more marriages. And he's doing all of this in secret. Now let's get over to Romans chapter 12 before we continue on. And as we start to get over to Romans 12, you kind of see how Roman Catholicism starts to get involved in this paganism. And then we're going to see how this one plays out and how it all gets married together. But Romans chapter 12, verse number 9, the Bible says, Let love be without dissimulation. 
Dissimulation is if you have a false pretense. Dissimulation is basically hypocrisy. You hide your real opinion or your real purpose. So let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. That means you loathe it. You detest it. You hate it extremely. You cast it off. You reject it. Do all of that to which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. True love. Here's what God says. New Testament Christians. True love. No hiding. No hypocrisy. Don't have secret opinions. Keep it real. Be real. Be authentic. And then he says, here's how you love as well. Anything, that's a, anything that is evil, cast it off. Abhor it. Reject it. That's true biblical love defined by the Word of God, which is what we put our faith and trust in. God's Word. That is one definition of how God defines love. Hating evil, abhorring it. And cleave to that which is good. God never leaves us in a spiritual vacuum. If he says, don't do this, he'll say, do that. That's what he wants us to do. Now, Catholics are not Christians. Marrying pagan festivals with the church has always been the mark of Roman Catholicism. Any real, Christ, any real Christian would have been fine with the banning of a pagan practice. And he would have endorsed the command given by Emperor, Emperor Claudius II during this time. Well, anyway, St. Valentine was caught. He was put into prison for this secret practice. And then he was eventually beheaded. Now that's a bit of the history. February 14th in 498 AD, Pope Galatius, who was a Roman Catholic Pope, he outlawed the feast of Lupercalia. He said it was unchristian, But all the feasts the pagans do are unchristian, and all the feasts that the Roman Catholics do are unchristian. When you have a festival dedicated to pagan sun gods, and then you have to try to Christianize them or marry them into the Roman Catholic Church, the only reason that that is done is to satisfy people. This thing that's going on, you have pagans doing something, and you have the Roman Catholic outfit doing something. They're not in agreement. But how do you get them to come to church? You find a way to kind of make it something that it isn't, but it really is. And you just blend the two together. That doesn't sound, it doesn't satisfy me. It shouldn't satisfy you. I don't want to counterfeit. I know you don't want to counterfeit. I want to worship the Son of God. That's the satisfaction that we get as Christians. So anyway, here's something interesting to think about. Let's go over to Leviticus chapter number 5.
Leviticus chapter number 5, there's basically five main types of sacrifices and offerings that are made in the Old Testament. The burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and then the trespass offering, which was exclusively a ram. Those were the five main types of sacrifices and offerings. Now, I say that to ask this. Why is it that pagan feasts excite Christians and the feasts and the commandments in the Old Testament don't? I want you to think about this for a minute. If I said we're going to start celebrating the Old Testament sacrifices, you and every other Christian in this town would say, we're New Testament Christians. We're not to celebrate those feasts. That was for the nation of Israel. That's all this law keeping now back then, that would be legalism. I mean, we're in Galatians, right? How come nobody, why do they celebrate pagan feasts and nobody calls them a legalist? If you want to celebrate a festival, why not at least get it from the Bible? I mean, get Leviticus chapter 5, verse number 14. Here's a good one. Leviticus 5, verse 14, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flocks, with thy estimation by shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. And he shall make amends for the harm that he hath done in the holy thing, and shall add the fifth part thereof to give it unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering, and it shall be forgiven him. And if a soul sin, and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not, yet he is guilty, and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock, with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his ignorance, wherein he erred and wist it not, and it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He hath certainly trespassed against the Lord. So that's what I'm going to do. Next Sunday, I'm going to bring in my ram. <laughs> but it won't be good enough because that ram wouldn't be without blemish. It, it actually needs some horn correcting. We tried to correct the horn this week. The horn of the ram uh, is starting to grow it's not turning as fast as it should. So it's starting to grow in toward uh, when, when he turns his neck, it rubs against his wool and it's worn out the wool. So you can see the ram's exposed skin. So there's two solutions to this ram that has a blemish. I could not bring that ram for the trespass offering because it has a blemish. It would be disobeying God's Levitical law. So what you did to, to correct it, you're either going to have to cut it off and that pretty much, that's it for the horn. You got one horn that'll grow out nice on one side and then you got one that's cut off. Or you try to do what's called horn correcting or shaping and you try to get the horn, it's warmed and, and make the horn warm and you have to kind of bend it out and try to get it to get out so that it'll grow out and he'll have two nice horns. You don't want a ram without blemish. It's not worth much. God didn't want one either. 
with the sacrifice. Imagine living under Levitical law. But if we have any festivals to choose, why don't we choose these? We don't. Because they're not for us. They're, they were for Israel, right? We, we all know this. This is basic 101 Christianity. But why do Christians have to choose these other festivals? And they have to have a romance dance. And they have to have a romance dinner. Or whatever they call it. They have to do these things. And they just can't be content with being without. It's almost like that's more desirable than God. I wouldn't want someone to think I'm not going along with the flow and so people go along with the flow. So guess what happened when the feast was outlawed? People began to leave church. And you had Roman Catholics going to church and still participating in these worldly events. And so they had to do something to boost the numbers. Things don't change. They never have changed. <laughs> we got to do something to boost numbers. Get Jeremiah 10 and then we'll stay in Leviticus and we'll get uh, Leviticus chapter number 20. Leviticus chapter number 20 and Jeremiah chapter 10. Now, guess what all the Roman Catholic priests decided to do? They renamed and they rebranded this feast of Lupercalia to St. Valentine's Day. This isn't about Lupercai. This isn't about the pagan priests. It's about St. Valentine. Remember when he went to jail, and by the way, when he was in jail, he, he healed people, he helped the blind, he cured sick people. Young married couples in love. He married them in secret. Went to jail and was beheaded for it. So they repackaged it. Instead of picking girls' names out of an urn, what would they do? They would pink a saint's name out of a box. And they would emulate that saint for a year. I'm not kidding. You pick out St. Anthony, that's, you're going to pray to St. Anthony for a year. You, you pick out St. Uh, Valentine, you're going to pray to St. Valentine. After all, he's the patron saint of epilepsy too, If you, by the way, if you didn't know that. St. Anthony's the patron saint of lost things. St. Christopher, oh, you pull him out, he's the patron saint of uh, travel safety. You're on the road, you get in a Roman Catholic's car, you know what you're going to see on there? A little relic of St. Christopher right on the dashboard. So they replace this pagan festival of pulling girls' names out of an urn to pulling a saint's name out of a box. And that was the saint that you would learn about and try to emulate for the next year. Now, 
By the way, this is where the confirmation came in. That's one of the sacraments that you see, that you receive as a Roman Catholic young boy or young girl. But guess what you do at confirmation? Guess what you pick? A confirmation name. See how it all kind of fits together and how it was just tweaked and rebranded. So when you receive your confirmation, you would have a saint's name as well. <clears throat> just completely repackaged. Now, Jeremiah chapter 10, because people say, well, you know, that's not why we do this. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 10, the Bible says, Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. So he's speaking to the nation of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the why of the heathen? No. Learn not the way of the heathen. God is not concerned why you're doing the things that He asked you not to do. Well, that's not why we do it. Okay, fine, but God said learn not the way of the heathen. So if there's a pagan practice, I trust no parent, no Christian parent, I trust, would not allow their children to play with a, with a witch board, a, a Ouija board, a yes-yes board. We know that's something so overt, but because we've become so uh, unlearned about these things and uneducated about these things, we don't know. People don't know these things. They don't know the history behind these things. They don't know that they've been just pied pipered along. But God isn't concerned about why we do the things that He asks us not to do. If it's a pagan principle, if it's a pagan practice, God says, learn not those ways. Be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. They're, they're looking up. Oh, what's the sun doing now? Well, the sun's doing the same thing it's always done. God controls it. For the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. People, that's, that's it. Just vain, meaningless. So to commemorate him, oh, let's get back to Leviticus chapter 20. Let's do that verse as well. Leviticus chapter 20, verse number 22. Okay, 20, Leviticus 20, I think I've got it. Let's see if I got it. And if, uh, okay, okay, let's start at verse number 22. Leviticus chapter 20, verse number 22. Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them that the land whither I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out. And ye shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things and therefore I abhorred them. But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit the land. Now I will give it unto you to possess it, land that floweth milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Now this is God speaking to the nation. We're going to glean a principle from this. But God said, I don't want you to be like those people. 
Don't be like those people. Here's the things that I want you to do. These things listed in, in Leviticus, God is not asking us to do them. It was Levitical stuff. It was Jewish custom. It was law. But he does, the principle is still gleaned upon in the New Testament. He tells us, come ye out and be, be separate. He tells us uh, we should be a set apart people. He tells us that we're strangers and pilgrims. He tells us not to be of this world. He tells us, um, present your body a living sacrifice. Peculiar people. Same principles are there. So they commemorated St. Valentine, this Roman Catholic priest, on February 14th. They celebrated court, courtly love. They actually have a relic of his head at the Basilica of Santa Maria in Rome. So if you're seeking for true love, you can go to this basilica in Rome and you will see in a glass box the skull of St. Valentine. It'll have flowers and it's just it's a relic. They got Roman Catholic Church has thousands of relics that you can go to and pray. And it doesn't matter which country you go to. They've got a relic. They've got something for you to go and see and worship. And you can go in Rome. You know, you're having tough times and just hop on a plane and go you get, say some prayers, you have some romance. <laughs> so, people do these things. Now, why they don't just get in the Bible and why they don't go see a Bible preacher or why don't they just come to church on Sunday and hear the preaching of God's Word? Well, I guess that's just not exciting for them. Buy a plane ticket to Paris and tour Europe. First <laughs> John 4. I don't believe the holiday is appropriate for Christians. I don't believe that we should be celebrating pagan rituals that have been watered down or married in or repackaged or rebranded or whatever you call it. I have something better. I have something I'm more excited about. And... I want other people to know that I got the better deal. I don't want them to be left out and not be able to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter number 4. Verse number 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son to the world, that we might live through Him here in His love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. 
No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If the man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. We just saved everybody that's considering going to pray to a relic to St. Valentine their key to romance. Right here. Have them read this three times a day for three months. And they'll get a good revelation from God about what true love is and how love is defined. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting love. Love is a giving love. A sacrificial love. A Bible-based. That's a Bible-based love. All right, let's wrap up. I'm going to do three passages in the Old Testament, three passages in the New Testament, and then we will pray and be done. We're going to be in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Let's get chapter 6. Look at what it says in verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Go over to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse number 12. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all His ways and to love Him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 6. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. I'll tell you, that's living. Loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Let's get over to the, to the New Testament because, well, that's, that's the Old Testament. That was for the nation of Israel. Okay, it was. You're right. That doesn't apply to us. We can glean that principle, but let's see what the New Testament says. 
We'll, we'll, we'll see here. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. I think when Jesus speaks, it's pretty good, huh? We should probably do that. And here's what he says. Matthew 22, verse 37. Uh, well, verse 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the, in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. There's your cross-reference restated in the New Testament for us to follow. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And we'll get verse number 30. Mark chapter 12, verse number 30. Let's back up to 28. One of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together you know, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now watch it. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. Strength. Put some gumption behind it. And last verse we'll look at, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse number 27. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. True love is defined in the Bible in many, many ways. We just looked at three Old Testament passages cross-referenced with three New Testament passages. Character of God and the way that He defines love is not in any way, shape, or form related to how paganism defines it. I don't believe Christians ought to get so excited about a day of romance when God has love and romance that He gave us so we can glean from His Word. Let's love Him with all our strength and lean not on our own understanding. All right, let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. I hope the message was easy to understand and clear and edifying to Your saints. Help us to be perfected and more like You. Give You all the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember... Christ is all.